All right, everyone. Hello and good evening. My name is Robbie Trong, and welcome to Spooky Unicorns, the show where we talk about all things horror all the time. I am joined with my co-host here, Jasmine Jamero. Please say hi, Jasmine. Hi, it's Jasmine here, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Spooky Unicorns, our first episode. Well, not our first episode. This is more of like an introductory episode. Yeah, our first episode is probably going to come like later on in the season. As like this, this episode is more like a get to know us kind of episode. You know what I mean? Yes, and as you get to know us, we're, you're going to find out that we're very, 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 very weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't take like a rocket scientist to figure that out within the next few episodes, but you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jasmine. Well, as uh, we had just told everyone, this uh, podcast is going to be dedicated to all things horror all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's tell uh, let's tell our audience a little bit of uh, who we are and what uh, Spooky Unicorns is all about. Oh, for sure. Okay, so starting with me, my name is Jasmine, as you guys already know. Um, I guess it it's kind of self-explanatory but i'm also into the horror genre um but apart from that you know i also dance i sing i dabble in a little bit of hair and makeup you know i'm just like all types of like energy that where i don't know or i don't know where to put it so i dabble in all these things but yeah that's pretty much me in a nutshell what about you robbie go ahead and tell us about yourself um well on my side, uh, I am a day manager uh, and sometimes a night manager for um, my job. Uh, on the side, I also help run a dance company uh, called Guam Dance Community. Oh, yes, and I dance under him. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she forgot all of a sudden, everybody. Yeah, I forgot to mention that we dance together, so... Yes, uh, that's actually how this uh, terrifying, uh, I would say, terrifying uh, friendship uh, came about. Um, yeah, with uh, with dance, you know, it was because of dance we actually uh, got really incredibly close, and oh, uh, yes. we are basically best friends. Yeah, and uh, you know, the horror genre is one of the many crazy things us us people uh, that have brought us together. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, with spooky unicorns, uh, we just want to be able to spread our love and our you know just our love so much love so Uh, much so much love we don't even know where to put it (laughs) girl is going somewhere let me tell you that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you know we just want to spread our love for the horror genre the love and appreciation because uh you know we as people um individually have uh gotten to experience the horror genre in such a unique way Mm -hmm. where it's impacted uh, us as people um and our careers um you know, and it's very, very, very interesting that, you know, it has also brought us together. Uh, you know, we've actually watched uh, quite a number of horror movies and, you know, we do a lot of discussions and we have so many references that mm-hmm. people either understand completely if you're a horror movie fan or if you don't, I am so sorry that we're punishing you by having to listen, <laughs> having to, listen to us just scream, rant and wheeze mm-hmm. and not get to understand a single thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, you know, for those listeners who are just tuning in, um, you know, Spooky Unicorns is here to provide you with all the horror information um, that you want if you are a horror movie fan initially. 
uh, this could be the place for you if you are very new to the genre um, this is you know some a, a good place for you to get some general information and you know just some thoughts that we have mm -hmm. and if you don't like horror um, that's okay it's not for everyone it's not for everyone yeah just know that we're not scary we're not trying to make we're just our... hairy <laughs> we're not scary through the phone but in person that's another story but <laughs> like we're not trying to make uh the horror genre as scary as it is um our point of views um in terms of the horror genre is very left field just like this podcast but um we're trying to shed some light on our opinions and thoughts about uh the horror genre um as a whole it might not be opinions that you guys like agree on everyone's entitled everyone is entitled to their own opinion yes um but of course you know this is coming from two girls that grew up on horror and think it's funny the horror the, the horror, horror. <laughs> but yeah i hope that you guys um continue to listen and try to see horror in a new light or at least i hope that this podcast allows you to see horror in a new light like we do all right now uh jasmine you know uh for the audience listeners that are just uh getting to know us yes um let's tell them a little bit about how we both fell in love with horror individually Ooh. did you want to go first or shall i I guess for me, it started out when I was really young. Um, and of course, you know, my parents, I'm Filipino. So, you know, my parents <laughs> have very um, different views on horror um, and horror movies as well. Um, my dad, when I was growing up, he was kind of religious. And every time I would watch a scary movie, he would be, he would just start yelling like why are you watching that movie <laughs> you know the devil is in that movie <laughs> protective You're, parenting yeah you know protective parenting in on a spiritual level and i didn't like kind i didn't agree with that like let me just say i didn't agree with that so you know i was just living my life watching scary movies and of course you know the person to always support me and my crazy endeavors is my mom and she was always on my side every time I watched scary movies. She would always tell my dad, like, you need to relax. It's just a movie. It's not cursed. Why else is everyone else watching these scary movies? You know, she would always be, like, my power up against my dad. Because obviously, if I yell at my dad, he's going to think it's disrespectful. But, like, he can't argue when I'm right. So... That's how I grew up on scary movies. I actually started liking scary movies because of, you know, like 80s slasher films. Um, 80s slasher films like Halloween, Jason. Um, the icons. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, that kind of thing. And then, of course, the 90s uh, horror films like I know what you did last summer. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. You know, I, I grew up on all of those, like the very classic movies. Um, the 2000s um, decades of horror movies, 
I didn't really watch because you know like my dad wanted me to be a child of God and sent me to a private school and then that did not help at all <laughs> no it didn't because it made me want to dabble in it some more and then here I am so how about you how did you come to fall in love with the horror genre uh, you know, my earliest memory of horror actually was with uh, the family that was babysitting me at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, back then in the 90s, there was this uh, little, I don't even want to say a little thing, there was a big thing called the laser disc. It is probably 8,000 times the size of a DVD. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, with the laser disc, um, you know, they had movies out for that back then. So, mm -hmm. um, one of the first few movies that I actually remember seeing when I was little was Return of the Living Dead 3. Oh, God. Yeah. And it was this all over the place, really graphic, really campy movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at such a young age, I think it was like six, six or seven. Um, yeah, you know, like, it, you know, most normal kids would when they see such graphic imagery, they would stray like away. stray away, you know, like tearing off the TV or, you know, get really scared. Something about it pulled me in. And, you know, like from there on, I just had this love for horror films, you know, there's mm -hmm. just this interest. And uh, since then I started, you know, just kind of going to uh, the local video stores and renting out VHSs of all the classic films, you know, like I, there, I didn't have internet at the time, so I didn't really know how to do research on stuff. Like mm -hmm. my eyes just gravitated. I was very that person that actually read the back of the. Oh, me too. <laughs> the summaries. <clears throat> yeah, the summaries. Like, you, you know, you actually want like that's you know because that's how you have to do it back then. Now you can just pick up on something on Google and be like, all right, let's show me the synopsis of this. Like, mm -hmm. no, you actually have to read. And if you didn't, if it wasn't for you, you got to put it back in, pull another one mm -hmm. out. You have to put it back in alphabetical order too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. I feel <laughs> bad because I wasn't that kid, so I'm so sorry for those who had. To. <laughs> I was that kid. I felt bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know if I had known, I would have thought about it. Um, but yeah, you know, um, definitely just from the video stores um, and just watching as many movies as I could whether it was other, other people's houses um, you know and as well as like television like horror just became this aspect of my life and you know especially Halloween you know on Halloween um, you know it, it was just something that always called to me I never really understood why until I became older uh, but you know as a kid it's just something about this really unique interesting fantasy realm uh, really called to me and, you know, now as an adult, it, you know, I've been able to explore it in so many different ways. So, you know, same as Jasmine, you know, we now as uh, young adults, well, mm -hmm. she's a young adult. I'm kind of getting away out of that. <laughs> <laughs> just an adult. <laughs> yeah, I'm just an adult. Um, you know, we're now being able to uh, access this love for horror and, you know, being mm -hmm. able to apply it in our creative aspects of life. So, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's getting to know us in a nutshell, everybody, and how yeah, we fell in love much. with horror. So for our next segment, we're going to talk about major influences that have shaped us into the people that we are now, um, whether they be from music or movies or video games, we're going to go ahead and talk about that. If you guys have any uh, thing that you want to input as well or want to relate to, we might be able to talk about that as well. So Robbie, would you like to go ahead and talk about yours? Yeah, dude. Um 
growing up, you know, I, like I said, like we had mentioned earlier, growing up, uh, there was a lot of influences that, you know, definitely shaped us to be the fans of horror that we are today. Oh, yes. Um, one of them was, uh, for the, I mean, I don't know what it, what channel uh, broadcast this was for stateside, but at least on Guam, back when there was old school cable, uh, there was definitely AMC, AMC channel 34, mm-hmm. uh, 31 Days of Halloween. Um, sci-fi sci-fi channel 37 yeah channel 37 mm-hmm. uh, yeah man especially during uh, the 31 days of Halloween they would play all the iconic movies Hocus Pocus is one of them Hocus Pocus was on Disney though yeah but it was or I'm sorry ABC Family it was one of the two <laughs> Freeform now but Freeform you know now. <laughs> you know still a good movie it was on Halloween yeah, um, but you know, thirty the thirty one days of Halloween every single night having a horror movie. Um, so many times my parents told me to go to bed, and I would have to just mm-hmm. sneak out in the middle of the night just to watch it. I would watch it on the lowest volume, and this is also how I learned to uh, have captions on <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> subtitles, so you don't have to listen to it loud. Yeah, because you know, obviously, loud screaming and <laughs> and, and bloods, you know, squishing. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, that's gonna attract a household. So yeah, um, you know, you you learn to get your guilty pleasure which is not even a guilty pleasure anymore because now it's just a pleasure mm. but back then you learned to get your guilty pleasure <laughs> any way you can uh but yeah definitely um 31 days of halloween was one of uh, my influences uh how about you what's one of yours oh that's a good one um i would say maybe the top influence would probably be the way that i dress mm. like horror movies like maybe beetlejuice Beetlejuice isn't even scary, but you know, it's kind of one of those campy horror movies where, you know, there are the iconic characters, like of course Beetlejuice himself, and then there's Lydia Dietz, who I thought was the coolest girl growing (laughs) up. Like everyone's goth girl. Everyone's goth girl fantasy, you know? Everyone wanted to be her or be with her, and I just wanted to be one of those girls when I grew up. So of course, you know. The way that she dressed and the way that her makeup was done, I loved it. And that influenced the way that I get ready every day. Um, Not to say that I limit myself to just dressing in black. Yeah. But... You could do so much with black. Yeah. I know. But (laughs) Lydia showed that. (laughs) Yeah. She literally has like maybe 50 shades of black. (laughs) And that's why I thought it was so cool. Because then she made it so versatile yeah fashion icon dude. yeah the top fashion icon of horror to this day um what about you has there any has there been any like horror influence that maybe shaped the way you do your day-to-day or um you know i i definitely one of mine and it's more so of a recent influence because mm-hmm. you know um american horror story Oh, yes. Yeah, American Horror Story. I, okay, mm-hmm. Jasmine was here for it when I went through this phase. I went through this phase of wearing a lot of shawls, and I had a very, okay, so if anyone has watched American Horror Story, season American three. Season 3, <laughs> Coven, which is the best season, y'all can argue with me if you want. It's debatable, but you know, it's a, it was a good season. Okay, but fashion icon, though, like, so many good outfits like i don't know i really went through a phase where i was just had my witchy vibes Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like i was all about that witchy vibes and yeah yeah i don't know just like you know we had mentioned earlier talking about lydia deeds like you could do so much with black oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. just so much with black and 
just I don't know I was feeling a vibe and uh, I was rolling with it and I felt like a bad bitch yeah I feel like now that you brought it up American Horror Story has modernized horror oh yeah in such a in such a relatable way I would say like of course it did go above and be- and above and beyond with their artistic freedom mm-hmm. but they did bring in some real life you know situations that we may or may not have been a part of or experienced you know yeah so i feel like experiencing that Mm -hmm. like relating yourself to a horror series Mm -hmm. it makes it feel all the more real and Mm -hmm. raw I, i think it's also because they use uh they use the horror aspect of their show to uh talk about and to uh showcase uh, so many other subgenres oh, of yeah. uh, social uh, social problems and social mm-hmm. you know aspects uh, that are just in regular day to day life. Mm-hmm. They just use the horror aspect as the major backing behind it. You know, so yeah. they, they use that to correlate. So that's why mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of taboo subjects that do get brought up in a sense, um, and they use the horror aspect to be able to ex- you know not exploit it, but you know to be able to bring it to this uh, forefront of where mm-hmm. it's like okay, we this is this is what. This, this is the scene and this is the characters that we're going to do today so yeah. you know there's a it's something for everyone you know and mm-hmm. horror is happening all around you you know oh yes um there's a very huge misconception of horror and we'll get to that topic later um but the way that it has influenced us we we sought to see past just the horror mm-hmm. just past the gore and past the blood you know we sought to see horror in a very realistic light i would say like we are not um going to look at horror as if like oh you know the plot to this oh somebody dies but we're looking at the plot Mm -hmm. like how that started Mm -hmm. did he or she deserve it you know we're going through all the all the questions for everything so I feel like the influences that. Sorry, guys. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I totally just dropped a cup and I got scared. <laughs> We're filming in a very quiet, secluded location, so you know it's it's. I'm not gonna lie. That in itself is a horror film <laughs> waiting to happen, but you know. We're also in a in the dark. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. Some people have pin drops and some people have cup drops. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big cup drop. Go ahead and pick that up. <laughs> I'll pick it up later. Um, yeah, you know, uh, other influences. I don't know about you, uh, but I played a lot of video games as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe you know a few of them. Uh, some of the games that I played that had such a very strong horror, horror element, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, the Resident Evil games. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I played them on the original PlayStation, and, you know, obviously back then for its time, it's not aging well now, but they've come out with so much uh, remakes and sequels to all these games, as well as the film adaptation, which... Yeah. Is questionable for some people, and I wouldn't blame them because, you know, yeah. that's for another topic on another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, definitely, like, playing those games gave me heart attacks late at night. Um, Silent Hill. Uh, yeah. yeah. Silent Hill was one of those games where it really changed, like, when the ambiance changed, it really changed how you were going to play the game. Uh. Because... You're, you know, I mean, like, in the, if you, if anyone has ever played Silent Hill, it is one of those games that just keep you on edge the entire time. Is this like Until Dawn? 
Not so much like Until Dawn. Until Dawn, no. Silent Hills predated like way back uh, into the 90s. Yeah. Okay. This was one of those games where it was like during like, how, okay, if I could just give a small premise to it, it's like there are two aspects that where the game lies. It's either during like when it's calm mm-hmm. and it's just fog and you're just kind of walking around trying to figure things out. But even with that, there are, there are things happening. Like there are just small little monsters here and there. But when it hits like night or when like the town decides to go fucked up, you know shit's going down and you know things are gonna come after you did you just explain the story of the mist to me you know that movie yeah 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 i don't know <laughs> i mean it's kind of within that realm i would say it's okay. a little bit within that realm okay um yeah you know and it's yeah it's such a scary game and it was mm-hmm. and you know it's so different because resident evil is all about like these zombies and all these things you know like and just like survival horror whereas this one yeah. it's really story and silent hill is very story based mm. and it's just so I'm telling you, like, look it up when you get the home. The twists and turns. Yeah, and it's all about that. It's mm. all about that. Usually people play Silent Hill for the story. Yeah. Yeah, and um, if I could probably punch in one more game. This one was on the uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was very, like, what? how would it, like, what was it? Like, not 2D. Was it 2D or pixelated? I don't know. 8-bit? 8-bit, yeah. It had that very 8-bit style. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're basically just, like, running around. Like, there's all these different horror movie elements. Like, yeah, yeah. werewolves and zombies and, cha- uh, like, chainsaw killers. Is it, like, a sideswipe game? There is. Like, very left to right? Very left to right. You're kind of following, like, a grid and it follows. And uh-huh. you just have to, like, try to save as many people as you can and try not to die and try to collect all these things. And, like, it was such a fun game. And I really wish that, you know, they could recreate that. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like that would do so well. Yeah, I feel like if they recreated horror games of the 90s and they made it modernized, like, what they did with the Resident Evil games. Yeah. I feel like it would do so well, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing with the, the, like, film adaptations, like, that's why I said mention earlier. (laughs) Yeah, because sometimes they do not translate well. But again, that is for another topic for the rest of the season that we could talk about. Um, Do you have any other influences, you know, growing up? Um, I guess growing up, I mean, you already touched up on one of them, which was the 31 days of Mm -hmm. Halloween um, on AMC and, like, Freeform and stuff. Um... But I would say, like, the top the top horror influence that I ever had was maybe Courage the Cowardly Dog. Dude, I was going to bring that up. Right? Because, okay, like, when you're a kid, Courage the Cowardly Dog is terrifying. Yeah. Like, they have so many um, episodes where it twists reality just enough to keep you on edge a little bit and re-watching that as an adult it's kind of like disturbing and I can't believe we watched that when we were little but I feel like because we were so desensitized from <laughs> Curse the Cowardly Dog it just made us expand our horror film yeah yeah you know like it made us expand on like why we like horror so much yeah and i think because of the way that they did it because they 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 brought it to you in the form of a cartoon yeah it lessened the scare factor i guess a little bit in that sense and Uh you know it tried to bring this normalcy to the front of it but now as an adult when you look back on it it's just like there are some very scary thematic elements to this they put some real scary things in there like that episode with the slab. Return oh the slab. Oh my god! <laughs> Return that one, the slab. That one. Or suffer the curse. Yeah, that one made me wanna just stay up until yeah. I saw the sun. And you know, 
sometimes I still think, you know, demons can't get me if the sun is up. I still have that mentality because I'm afraid of the dark. But, you know, that kind of horror influence had that influence on my life. But, you know, that's not here nor there. But, you know, I love Courage the Carly Dog. Yeah, I love it too. It was so great. Um, If they had more seasons... I feel like everyone would just hop onto that so fast because you know it's also super nostalgic. Yeah, I'm just worried though that if they did that, you know what I mean, like like reboots and all these things have uh, tendencies to kind of so ruin the, true. you know, ruin the initial energy that you know it, yeah. like the original show was given. And sometimes you can't recreate that. That's just like a yeah. one you know one time deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that you actually brought up Courage the Cowardly Dog, like I'm just gonna go through this real quick. Go but um, you know, for our listeners out there. Um, things other shows that we also grew up on that were a little bit more on the kid-friendly side um but also not really uh, <laughs> goosebumps yes yeah. goosebumps yeah goosebumps uh definitely was one of those iconic shows i mean mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure for us 90s kids uh, we definitely got to have, like, you know, we got to read the books. Oh, yeah. Some yeah. of us, like, had rows and rows mm-hmm. of books collected from, what was it? The monthly, mm-hmm. the monthly. Monthly, like, the subscriptions. Yeah, the yeah. monthly subscriptions of, like, books and different um, subscriptions and stuff like that. Some of us really invested our time into collecting. Oh, yeah. No, for real. Yeah. I had a few. One of them was about like this headless guy. Oh. Oh my god. Let me tell you, I was scared for my life. I really thought there was a headless man following me around for a few days. <laughs> but it was a good story. Um, I will say Sid the Dummy can Oh hate that. Sid the Dummy, you can you you can the way off. All the way <laughs> off. You can yourself okay you <laughs> i'm not about that sid oh yeah um did you watch are you afraid of the dark oh my god is that the one with the crypt keeper no, no that's tales of the crypt however honorable mention because tales of the crypt was also a bomb ass show oh, i loved tales of the crypt my mom always told me to like go to sleep though every time i watched it because it was always on like late at night and i was like nine when it came out or yeah. i mean nine when it was still rolling dude it's like iconic laugh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean obviously i can't do it but you're good at it so i'm just gonna you've never seen are you afraid of the dark though i feel like i have it was on nickelodeon it was on nickelodeon is that with the three kids you no know, so basically it's um the show premise is about uh the society uh it's a society of uh tale like these kids who um basically tell stories around a campfire so like each episode is like always directed around like a specific (gasps) oh yeah oh yeah okay yes yeah and so they always induct like a new person to come in sometimes Mm -hmm. and tell the story Mm -hmm. yeah some of those like that was on nickelodeon um i don't know how that made it onto nickelodeon one specific episode two specific episodes actually that freaked me out yeah um it was the one about the clown uh, I think one of the characters oh. like stole, like went to a fun house and stole the clown's nose, <gasps> and the clown followed his ass home and like. Oh my god! And, yeah, g- g- this kid was a brat, mind you. So he kind of deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one was um, it was kind of like this. It was like I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was basically like this red, like demon monster thing that was underneath the pool. Like it'll drown you. It can oh. basically come out of the form of any like anything in water. Yeah. Is this why you're afraid of 
deep water? Yes. Partially, <laughs> yes. This is why. Because why? I still think that he's in there. The red and... monster's just going to get you. <laughs> yeah, girl. You know, like... I, I'm not, I don't know, man, you know, like, I just, I don't know how to feel about it. I still have, I, for everyone that does not know, I have a very, very, very deep fear for deep water, so I'm not about it. Um, yeah, you know, and going back to, like, kind of rounding it out, um, Disney had some really good stuff. Uh, for me, the most top two were Halloween Town. Oh, of course. Yeah, classics. Halloween Town. Classics. classics. And, of course, uh, brought to you by Disney and uh, ABC Family, I believe. Um, Every Halloween, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus, girl. Hocus Pocus, girl. Girl, don't <laughs> even get me started on Hocus Pocus. I'm not even going to say who was my favorite because... Dude, Winifred, though. I mean, maybe because I am the Winifred Sanderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably like the would Sarah you, Jessica Parker. Would you say you're the Sarah Jessica Parker? I don't know. I feel like you're more of the Mary, though. You're the Mary to my Winifred. With the lisp? <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's the one that could smell the kids. I know, but <laughs> I don't want to smell kids like that. That's weird. <laughs> well, obviously now because you know that's that's a that, that's a that's a problem, girl. <laughs> that's a problem that we're not gonna. <laughs> we're not gonna discuss on this show. <laughs> we're not gonna go ahead and. Anyways, so yeah, I'm Mary. This is Winifred. Welcome to our show, Spooky Unicorns Hocus Pocus Edition. <laughs> but yeah, you know. um so this is pretty much our influences for horror. Uh, now you guys have gotten to kind of get an inside look at what growing up uh, with us was like. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, at, right now we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, the top three movies that influenced us as people, um, you know, again, into the horror genre. These are the top tier movies that stood out amongst the rest of them. We have no problems rewatching them over and over and uh -huh. over again. So we will do that right now. Sure. Okay, so let me start with my first film. My first film, I grew up on this. My dad actually had a DVD uh, set of it. Okay. Um, so growing up with it, it was always there right next to the dvd player so of course it'd be the first movie that i would put into the dvd player and watch from beginning to end on replay um so this movie is actually signs oh okay from 2002 mel gibson mel gibson and joaquin phoenix so you know just to give you guys a little bit of a, a background to this movie it's about um mel gibson's character he actually plays a retired father of a church and his wife dies yeah pretty much so his wife dies and then because of such a traumatic experience you know he retires from the church and then there is an alien um i guess invasion yeah an alien invasion but of course the alien persuasion alien persuasion <laughs> Yeah, so the movie is pretty much about, you know, Mel Gibson's character and his family experiencing the alien invasion from a very real perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, in the very beginning, you don't think that it's an alien per uh, alien invasion. Like, you think, oh, there's more criminals or, you know, yeah. there's more pranksters mm -hmm. going around doing these random circles in crops, mm -hmm. you know? But you come to find out it's aliens so that was my 
first childhood that was M. Night Shyamalan yes M. Night Shyamalan um very great director by the way when it comes to plot twists yeah plot twists yeah galore yeah he's very the plot twist man yeah very plot twisty um kind of guy kind of director um he's really good you know what i picked up from signs was uh on top of the fact that you know of course the focus is like oh is it aliens is it not you know Mm -hmm. that whole kind of thing but it was also very like um the underlying tone of the movie was also like mel gibson's character his faith being tested oh yeah yeah because i I noticed that was like as i got older yeah right you don't you don't notice it too much when you watch the movie the first time but when you when you get older you realize that his his faith is being tested yeah especially after his losing wife. his wife yeah mm-hmm. you know so with this kind of chaotic horrific situation happening mm-hmm. um his faith is being tested it's yeah. being put to the test so. and of course you know he is still taking care of his family he has two kids and then he also has his brother mm-hmm. um that's actually joaquin phoenix's character mm-hmm. um you know it's these two brothers taking care of um their kids and both of their faith really is being tested because of these very real traumatic experiences that affected them in such a very strong way um so you know growing up i didn't notice that until i rewatched it a few years later yeah and come to realize oh i probably would have done the same thing yeah. you know like i probably would have acted out of frustration or fear yeah yeah <laughs> so that was one of my top horror movies of when I was a kid. What about you? Um, I'm going to go down the line of uh, just kind of like a yearly timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everyone who is a horror fan, or even if you're not a horror fan, you've seen a creature feature at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so many great creature features, either it's classics or, you know, kind of more like the recent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the standouts for me was this movie called Mimic. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it is uh, directed by, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, everyone, but Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, he's also, you know, created other movies, other horror films like uh, Mama. Oh. Yeah, he directed that, oh. um, as well as the film adaptation to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, back then, this was actually a 1997 film. Um, it was, I'm sorry, not was, but... Uh, it actually starred Mira Savino. Um, Mira Savino, outside of horror, uh, you all know her from, if you haven't, um, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. she played Romy. <laughs> oh, okay, makes sense, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah um, this film was actually done on a $25 million budget, um, and it made $30 million in the box office. Now, it you know, box office-wise, it wasn't, like, the most successful film, obviously, yeah. but... The way for the reason why this film is so uh, influential for me was because of the fact that you know creature features don't really scare me too much. Oh yeah. But uh, this movie did that for me. Um, just to give kind of like a brief synopsis of the movie, uh, these scientists uh, or these doctors, uh, if I may, um, they're investigating um, these mysterious deaths that are occurring in the city. I believe it was in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the reports are saying it's this kind of hybrid of a half-man, half-cockroach uh, kind of deal. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I, for those of you that don't know, I have an insane fear of cockroaches. <laughs> Especially the one that flies? The, and yeah, no. Oh, my God. Okay, that's also part of the reason. Like, okay, if anyone ever... Okay, this film does not age well, but when you, if you take it away from that, there are so many things that are scary about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, this monster that is half man and half cockroach is crawling on the walls. Ugh. And... When he's not in, like, cockroach mode, he's standing there, and he's really tall. Like, in the film, like, he looks to be seven feet tall. I hate that. And, like, this is, like, long, looming kind of, like, look. And, you know, he like, when he's in hunting mode, he flies around. He flies really quick oh. like a cockroach does, and he attacks. And, um, you know, the crazy thing about this film is it really had no qualms. Like, there is a scene where, like, there, like spoiler alert. Yeah. But um, there is a scene where, like there are children deaths oof yeah and you know not many horror films are down to go down that route oh yeah um but they did that and you know because like i said cockroaches and insects and bugs of any form are such a relatable gross factor you yeah know, for so many people like fear factor yeah it's yeah it's it's very it's so within that realm and it scared the crap out of me as a kid um there was a lot of scenes that dealt with a lot of um not so much gore it wasn't too heavy on the gore but Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of like scenes with isolation um, you know uh, kind of just closed spaces so it really just yeah it it really it went there for me and it goes down as one of my favorite creature feature films like it does not age well but I recommend it uh, for people that really uh, you know are into those kinds of films because it's I think it deserves more than more credit than it does Mm -hmm. Would you say that this is a good introductory film for creature feature films? It was kind of like in this weird space because, you know, in the 80s, like in the late 70s, early 80s, there were there were amount of creature films coming out, creature mm-hmm. feature films coming out. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely say it's like one of the ones that don't get enough, like I said, doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Um, but I think it should because it, it's, it's so different, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what I like about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. so different. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those of you that, if you want to watch it, it's called Mimic, so... There you go. Uh, Jasmine, what's next on your list? So, next on my list is actually one of the top horror movies um, for me as a person. It's very campy. Okay. Very campy. It really... I wouldn't say exploits, but it really busts up the campy campiness of horror so much. It's like if Scary Movie if the scary movie series was taken seriously, okay. it would be that. Okay. So, it's Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. 2011. Yeah. <laughs> directed by Drew Goddard. So, this movie, I was a freshman when, when this came out. So, obviously, when I watched it, I was so impressionable. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be me in college. I'm going to be probably one of those girls in college that, you know really vibes to horror movies and i was right yeah (laughs) so um so basically the premise of cabin in the woods is about these five college kids um think about your everyday college gang you Mm -hmm. know you have the virgin the Mm -hmm. whore the horror tropes yeah the The jock yeah the jock the nerd yeah the the druggie the druggie yeah i mean that's the basic horror character Mm -hmm. trope you Mm -hmm. know so they go off of that those are your top five characters the Mm -hmm. main characters and like these characters are 
basically camping or not camping because then they're they're staying in a cabin but it's an isolated cabin and they find this basement full of random toys like a hoarder mm -hmm. left all their stuff in the basement and whatever they touch influences different choices and scenarios and yeah. scenarios that come up and it, it pretty much sets the tone for the rest of the movie. I mean, of course, the tone has already been set. It's very meta. Yeah, very, yeah. very meta. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it was definitely the meta film of its generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 2011 was such a weird era. Like, mm -hmm. it was shortly after everyone was trying to become more PC. Yeah. But everyone was still really willing to take that risk to yeah. not... The, you know? the funny thing about Cabin in the Woods is, is that it's so... The reason I think uh, why I agree with you that it's such a great film... Yeah. Is because they are so self-aware. Yeah. You know, they know it's a horror movie and they're playing on those exact tropes. Yeah, they're playing it up. Yeah. Like, like so much. Yeah, you, they, 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 they literally influence every, basically, every, in every horror movie that's mm -hmm. ever come through, you know, any form of filmmaking or mm -hmm. screen. You know, mm -hmm. and they, 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 they are not afraid to make jokes about it. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. Mm-hmm. Like it very, it very much plays on the fact that these kids are gonna die, mm -hmm. and they're amping it up so much. Yeah, they're making... there's outside forces influencing this. Yeah, exactly. so in the movie, there's outside forces um, that influence these kids to make the choices that they want. So, for example, they put out um, pheromones into the air to make them like make out or whatever you yeah, know break they, all the horror movie rules yeah they play it up so much and i feel like that's why i love this film so much i rewatch it all the time mm -hmm. cabin in the woods if you guys don't like horror films very much i recommend this movie because this movie plays it up so well that it's almost a joke so it's a joke on it. Yeah, it's a joke in itself. Yeah, pretty much. So I feel like this is such a great introductory film mm -hmm. for those that aren't really into horror films as much as we are. It's it's a good it's a good film. For a small trivia for you comic book fans uh, or not comic book fans, but for those who are, are fans of the Marvel Cinema Universe, mm -hmm. um, this movie also stars a very uh, influential character from that from that universe. Oh yes, and Chris he, Hemsworth. <laughs> he is so cute in this film. Oh, he drives. I mean, he drives. Yeah, he drives a um, a racing bike. Yeah, like right? a dirt bike. Yeah, like a dirt bike. And oh my god. Yeah, we're not gonna get into that because you know <laughs> I'm not there are things that happen. <laughs> there are things that happen in that movie, but you guys will see yeah. for for yourself. Yeah, if you want to see a very smart film, uh, definitely go see Cabin in the Woods. Oh yes. yeah, it's so it's so smart. It's mm -hmm. so smart in so many different ways, mm -hmm. and it's great for anyone that's a horror movie fan. Um, it's great, and even those who like dislike horror movies for all those reasons for all those tropes yeah it's you get you'll get a good laugh at it because it's like okay these are the things why i hate horror movies but they're gonna play on that so yeah they make fun of the horror genre so so well mm -hmm. like you wouldn't think that cabin in the woods would be that kind of movie but i mean it is you know and uh speaking of uh cabin in the woods and 
it being such a meta film. Mm -hmm. um, my second favorite movie on this list is also very meta for its time. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is 1996's Scream. Uh, yes. Uh, directed by Wes Craven. Yes. Um, Wes Craven is also uh, notable for creating the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Specifically, I believe, the first two movies. First two to three. He put Johnny Depp in that um, crop top. Yo, yes, and we all can thank him for Johnny Depp in a crop top. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so Wes Craven's a super iconic uh, director for this film. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, it stars uh, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette. Uh, Courtney Cox is most specifically from the Friends franchise, oh, the yeah. Friends TV series. Mm -hmm. um, it was on a budget of $15 million and it made $173 million at the box office. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, for me, the reason why this film, again, it's so meta because at this time, you know, it was... It was the cabin of the woods of its time. Oh, you know, it's for based, sure. Yeah, because, you know, you have these characters that obviously play these very specific tropes, but they acknowledge that, and then they change the game by being so self-aware in this film, mm -hmm. um, stating the rules of, of horror as to who's going to die if they do what, this mm -hmm. is what's going to happen, um, who's going to make it to the end, who's not going to make it to the end, who is the killer? And um, for, um, you know, just a brief synopsis for this movie, um, it basically uh, revolves around Nev's Cam Nev Campbell's character, uh, Sidney Prescott, uh, who is the main victim, I guess you would say, of this entire movie. Uh, there are these uh, high school uh high school killings that are happening amongst their group of friends by uh, the what's by someone they call the ghost face killer um and you know there is a, a larger backstory to it but if you haven't checked out the movie if you've seen it you know what it's mm -hmm. about if you haven't seen it you should check it out mm -hmm. um again it's such a smart film the dialogue is so smart and you know for super those iconic of, yeah super iconic and for those of you that know the movie it's such an mtv movie it is yeah super teenage um horror trope mm -hmm. super very that and you know like I, I remember listening to this podcast and they had um uh from dead meat and they were, you know, they had they said it themselves that it was a very MTV movie, and I totally agree mm -hmm. uh, because it was a movie for the generation, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and by this time point, um, horror films were coming from like the '80s and the uh, late, uh, late or pretty basically the '80s and the early '90s. And by this time, it was getting a little tiresome because you get this, you know, same kind of movies and this campness to it, and yeah. it didn't really evolutionize that. But Scream evolutionized so much aspects of horror oh yeah. yeah it basically restarted the slasher genre oh yeah i yeah. mean coming from movies like yeah. friday the 13th yeah and, you, and know, you know so many sequels after that it's like you don't take the movie seriously anymore. yeah because yeah. you already know what the story is going to be about yeah and the most scary part about this is it's real life you know yeah. it's real life people mm -hmm. you know real people <laughs> real living thing. real lives living real lives <laughs> real we're real women talking about a real scary situation <laughs> real scary movie <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um such a great film i suggest you guys to check it out uh great soundtrack too and you know it's just a really great film so oh yeah yeah um you know it's really funny because we were supposed to keep our list a secret but we accidentally, one of us accidentally blurted out. Um, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and we actually ended up uh, having the same movie on our list. So we're just going to take our last uh, final three and put it together in one since it's the same exact movie. But that just goes to show that we love it that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very iconic movie. If you guys don't know what this movie is, I... 
don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. It is basically the, the 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 father and mother of all horror films, I guess you would say. Yeah, all modern horror films, yeah. I would say. Yeah. <coughs> um, so this movie is... Uh, so sorry, everyone. I'm not drinking, I swear. It's this monster, uh, monster <laughs> can that I'm drinking. I am all hyped up. Um, it is 1978's Halloween, mm-hmm. directed by John Carpenter and scored by John Carpenter mm-hmm. um, and Deborah Hill. Uh, other food, other films by John Carpenter include The Thing. Oh yes. And The Fog. Um, this was released in 1978, uh, starring the iconic Scream Queen mother Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh yes, Freaky Friday. Yes. Uh, fun tidbit, uh, fact about that: Jamie Lee Curtis is actually the daughter of Janet Leigh, the actress from Psycho. So if everyone's seen that movie, are you serious? The iconic shower scene, you know, the eek 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 dun dun dun. Barbara. That, Oh, wait, no. <laughs> That's not of the living dad. I know. Mm. Barbara, they're coming. <laughs> Barbara, I always think of it. But yeah, that's that's her mom. So she was basically born into this this film industry and this this horror genre. She was the heir mm-hmm. of a, of an original Scream Queen. Can exactly. you imagine living such a lavish life? Mm-hmm. And she's also starred actually in The Fog. So she's she's done a large list of um, horror, horror films, films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, be- because of that, like Halloween will always go down as mo- one of her most notorious, you know, most notable films. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It actually started from a very, very modest budget. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 300,000? 375,000, actually. Yeah. And then it got 60 to 70 million in the box office. Mm hmm. They actually shot this also, too, in a really short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, funny thing, actually, this film is so iconic in so many ways, called classic, everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, initially, this movie did not do well at the box office. It actually did it. It was actually, um, it, 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 panned, it got panned for, like, a lot of negative view, uh, reviews. I bet. But, um, initially, from those screenings, like, the more that they kind of showed it yeah. throughout um, other theaters, it started building this called classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that it translated so well over the next few years. Yeah, it was probably not uh, politically correct at the time, especially because you know it, it was such a conservative time in America. But you know, all things considered, though, this was a pretty conservative movie. Like when you think yeah. about all the movies that are out now with all the blood, the guts, mm-hmm. the gore. Yeah, this was a really simply done film. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we're just going to give a small uh, synopsis for this movie. Uh, this movie follows uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Um, she is basically babysitting uh, with her friends uh, at night, her high school friends, and mm-hmm. they are being stalked by uh, a killer mm-hmm. um, who, who escaped from an asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it follows them all throughout the night. Mm-hmm. And just this whole movie, everything from the shots, the way it's done, the dialogue, and just the moments that it creates, the tension most mm-hmm. especially. Like, they do so much with empty spots. And so that's so hard to do with film now because you have Real. to... Everything now in film is always about jump scares and all these crazy things, you know what I mean? Like, bam, 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 mm-hmm. you know, loud. But they just have shots of just a character walking by and you see Michael Myers, like, standing... Just, yeah. You see, not even a full body, you just see his head in the window. And the yeah. fact that you know that he's watching them, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. You think, I mean, of course, there is that air of disbelief, but mm. you would think that they wouldn't play on 
him being such an obvious killer. Yeah. But they play on it so well mm-hmm. where it amps up your fear so much because he's literally standing and you're already scared. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, you fear for these characters because yeah. it's just like you don't know what he's going to do. You don't mm-hmm. know when he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, you know, most of the time in, in, in film, like, you know, usually the char- like the horror villain is very... You don't see the horror villain until they strike. Yeah. This one, you know he's there and you, you see him, mm-hmm. you know, and that creates so much tension. And I feel like tension is something that's lacking in a lot of horror films today. Mm-hmm. Very rare and few actually do them really good now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, um, everything is about jump scares now. Like, yeah. this, like this was one of those movies that created an ambiance, an air of just tension and so many unsettling yeah. things. Since we're actually on that topic already, I feel like this is a good time to mention some other movies that actually do that mm-hmm. that are really good like with tension build up mm-hmm. um one of them i would say is maybe don't breathe oh yeah don't breathe is automatically a classic yeah because you know even though okay so the premise of don't breathe is about these kids that are trying to rob this veteran's home um and he's a rich veteran or something like that and um pretty much the whole premise is of them trying to escape from the house that they broke into and the guy the owner of the home is blind but he can hear everything and in the movie almost half the scenes are in the dark you know because he only operates by sound but he's so in tune with his surroundings that anytime any of the kids breathe or make a small noise, mm-hmm. he shoots at them. Yeah. And they really play on that tension mm-hmm. so well because... Especially because it's so um, it's so dependent on, on sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they don't play it up to where they depend on jump scares, mm-hmm. you know? Because it feels so real. Mm-hmm. Like, you're in the burglars shoes you know and it's so bad but you root for the burglars to make it out alive yeah you know but yeah it just takes such a crazy turn in the movie i feel like if you are just a jumpy person you can try to watch this film yeah yeah but it will play on your heartstrings a little bit (laughs) like it'll make you jump in the best ways possible so that one is actually an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, don't honorable breathe. mention. <laughs> don't breathe. But as you know, as you can tell, um, you know, uh, Halloween is definitely something that has spurred a lot of horror films that we now see today over mm-hmm. the last course of about actually almost forty to fifty years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much uh, film stylings that follow uh, this film. Uh, you know, follow Halloween in that direction in that style so you know halloween has definitely paved the way for so many films that mm-hmm. we see today so mm-hmm. you know that's why it's on our number one yes so. all right everyone as we begin to close out our first episode of spooky unicorns um, one thing that we're going to talk about uh, as you get to know us, and you've probably gotten to know us a lot now, especially mm-hmm. for you longtime horror fans, uh, mm-hmm. you've been able to relate to these situations. Uh, we are going to talk about our most favorite opening scene from a horror movie. 
the most notable ones that off the top of our head is so iconic in our minds i feel yeah i mean because it's you know you you remember and it sets the tone the opening scene for a horror movie sets the tone for the how the rest of the film is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, usually everything else in between of the, the horror movie can probably be debatable, but mm-hmm. if that first, you know, 15 minutes grabs you right away, then, you know, it's... A good opening scene. It's a good opening <laughs> scene. It's there. It's to take you there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to go first? Sure. I mean, mine, I would say sets the tone for the rest of the movie as well as the other movies to follow that Mm -hmm. movie um it's the opening scene of resident evil okay the first one okay and you know we had this talk about resident evil (laughs) yeah we had this talk about resident evil but you know they don't give the opening scene i would say that much credit you know Mm -hmm. because for the first movie of resident evil you know it pretty much starts out like a powerpoint presentation like there's a summary of what the umbrella corporation is and what experiments they've been doing or whatever yeah and then suddenly it kind of like a maybelline commercial (laughs) yeah like a covergirl commercial you know like oh these are our products and what we've been doing with them but you know for resident evil they are going off of the storyboard um i would say presentation yeah like it kind of looks like a storyboard presentation where there's one frame that says everything about the umbrella corporation and then the next frame is all about what they've been doing under that corporation and then the next few frames is literally a scientist that breaks a vial and then he runs out yeah and that's literally the opening scene of resident evil you know and he says nothing he just breaks it and he leaves and then the movie gets crazy from there yeah i mean even i remember that opening scene so well right um you know and especially because all in between you know these powerpoint uh aspects Mm -hmm. and the uh, scientists uh, looking to obviously he's taking something from the lab mm-hmm. and you know he obviously breaks it off, with the intention that he's going to be releasing this virus mm-hmm. um, you also see on the outside like there are people the workers that are actually in the building yeah doing um, honest work yeah doing honest work you know <laughs> and they're just kind of going about their day and you know the lab starts to shut down um, the lab goes into a uh, self defense mechanism where they're mm-hmm. trying to keep people inside so that way the virus is contaminated mm-hmm. and uh, especially I, I believe it was that it was that end part of the scene of the opening scene where the uh, one of the girls I think like there's a group of people trapped in the elevator and one of them yeah like all she, of a sudden she, starts freaking she out. tries to stick her head no she i remember specifically she tries to stick her head to get out because there's like a crack in the <gasps> open oh yeah. my god <clears throat> yeah oh my god she tries I to stick, that scene. yeah she sticks her head out of the elevator um to try to you know get out and so see she can see to find some help and she's like her head she's only able to fit her head and then the elevator sudden, starts to like go down and drops 
And so her head literally... Or no, you, it makes you think that it's going to decapitate her from going down. But it actually stops like right before it hits her face. And so you have this moment of like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. She actually turns over and looks up. The elevator actually starts to go upwards oh. and decapitates her from that direction. I hated that scene. And it's just this pan shot of her screaming all the way to the crunch. Yeah. And yeah, I remember that scene so well. Yeah, and I feel like it doesn't get enough credit because, you know, the beginning starts off as a PowerPoint presentation, and then yeah. all of a sudden, it takes a 180, and then this girl's head just popped off her body, just like that. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's a biochemical She weapon. could cover it up with some concealer. <laughs> she could cover it up with some concealer. Trust me. If they're all going to be zombies, I think they're going to need a lot more than concealer. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Just get some color corrector or something. <laughs> Conceal. Don't feel this. <laughs> yeah, um, that is a really... No, that's a, such a good uh, opening scene to a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like we had mentioned, Resident Evil and its sequels were definitely some questionable movies. But oh, yeah. The first movie, honestly, though, was really, really good. Mm-hmm. First movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the opening scene that stands out to me the most, um, I had mentioned this movie just uh, moments earlier in our top three uh, movie list, but it is the first opening sequence to Scream. Oh, yes. Um, again, it is so iconic uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, you know, on the cover of the poster... You know, and I've, I've heard several uh, horror movie podcasts bring this up. Mm-hmm. Um, on the post, on the cover of the poster, it's actually Drew Barrymore that is on the cover of the poster. Yeah, she's but keep one- in mind that she's not the star of the movie. No, but that's the thing is because of the fact that the way they, the way that they uh, promoted this film, it was to make it look like as if Drew Barrymore was the yeah, main that's star why of this film. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she's on the cover. She's, like, her mouth is covering her face. Like, you know, it's, like, iconic. Like, you think, okay, she's going to be the star. Mm -hmm. She's in the first opening um, scene of the film. And, you know, I'm going to just kind of go into a little bit. You need to watch it. Go look up a scream opening scene, and you'll understand why this is Mm -hmm. so iconic. But you have Drew Barrymore playing this character. And mind you, she's already... She's probably the most well-known actress of this entire cast. She's a Charlie's Angel girl. Yeah. You know, she's already getting some no, you know, notoriety and some fame already by this mm-hmm. point for the films that she's been in. And so basically, uh, you know, she's at home, she's making some popcorn, she gets a phone call from this, you know, mysterious person who starts, you know, asking her simple questions, you mm-hmm. know. And it starts off like such an innocent conversation and as the conversation continues there, she feels, she, she notices that there's something off about the guy that's calling her. Yeah. And from zero to a hundred you can already feel danger and fear for this girl because of the way the conversation going. Yeah. And from this point forward, I'm not going to spoil the rest of it, but, you know, it's it becomes... Things take a left turn. Things take a hard left, girl. It, it's not even a hard <laughs> If they Thelma and Louise off the cliff... Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. It's bad. And, it, you know, like I said, you know, going back to that idea of building tension, in the first, like, I want to say five to six minutes of the film, it's so calm... And the last, I want to say, five to six minutes after that, it is just everything turned upside down. It's so fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I'm spoiler, spoiler alert, you know, Drew Barrymore's character actually dies in yeah. that first 15 minutes. And you don't expect that. You don't. And I think that's one of the things about this, about why the film was so great was because they killed off a character that you would assume would be here for the rest of the movie. You expect this character to survive it. Mm-hmm. But she actually dies. 
And, and when you look at the scene and just the way that it's done, um, the fact that, you know, her parents actually come home um, and, you know, they actually walk into the house and she's actually dying just right outside of the backyard. Yeah. And they're on the phone with her, too. That's the most scariest part. They hear her. They hear all these horrible things happening to her mm-hmm. and then they find her body. Yeah. Um, and it's just this, like, super fast, super cut scene of just, like, it going closer to her body, um, which, by the way, actually had to be changed for... Um, uh, they had to be. It had to be changed for its rating because actually that 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 scene had to be edited. That's why they shot that scene so specifically mm-hmm. was because it was too graphic. Yeah, yeah. It was for the MPAA, MPAA reading ratings. Yeah, yeah, like they had to cut it. They had they had to edit it, and that was just the first fifteen minutes. So that well, that you know again it being on top of such a meta film it really just stands out like why you know when people prank call you or mm-hmm. things like that like there's just so much fear because you really don't know who's watching you who's yeah. you know actually like right outside your house calling you and it's just it's you know it's so scary um i recommend it everyone go check it out check out the movie but if you get, don't if you want to be pulled in check out that first opening scene and mm-hmm. you'll see why i feel like the opening scene for scream was a short film in itself you that's know that's true no Be- that's true yeah because you know it is pertaining to the story of Ghostface killer yeah but it's like a sub story before all that happens yeah because you, you know? hear about all these urban legends that talk about like oh are the calls are coming from inside the house you yeah know, that kind of thing babysitter gets mysterious calls throughout the night yeah yeah it's very that yeah i feel like scream made it so iconic mm-hmm. that those tropes are famous because of oh yeah that. yeah very that yeah very that mm-hmm. um so jazz you know one of the biggest things about a horror movie about about being a horror movie fan yes and you probably have experienced this is uh, what are some misconceptions i guess you would say you know being a horror movie fan and then having people who are not horror movie fans you know we're kind of like the the dime a dozen i guess if that makes sense um i guess i would say is a lot of people that i have talked to about you know them not wanting to watch a horror film it it's always because of their nerves Mm -hmm. and you know of course that is like by the person yeah it's always a case-by-case kind of thing however i would say that horror films are not always out to get you like jump scare wise you know there are the few movies that do play on the psychological aspect Mm -hmm. um like of course you know the shining yeah the shining if you have seen it comes off as a psychological thriller um, some people might be, you know, some some scenes in that movie can be triggering for some people, of course, you know, with the gore or whatever. And, um, like, movies like that are iconic, you know, because it plays so well into the psychological aspect of horror. Um, when compared to now, it's all about jump scares and... Um, computer generated cgi yeah you know cgi images and you know not to say that horror films like that right now is bad 
but I feel like the generation now that is trying to get into horror films are starting in the wrong place, you know? It's true. I, I do believe that's true. And I, But I also do think that there are um, significant uh, directors that are putting out um, films with uh, quality content. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's the one that did uh, Hereditary. Oh, yeah. Midsommar. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. Like, I, I can definitely see what you mean, though, because it's, like, with horror, it's... Sometimes you get this, like, really long, like, long hills of, you know, just not so great quality films. Or, you know, they just... It's it's it's, it's expected, or the story's not good, or the yeah. scare's not good. And then you get those one out of a few, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Jordan Peele. I know you're a big Jordan Peele fan. Oh, yes, of course. Because I feel like... His his movies that he has come out with so far, yeah. they do not play on the jump scares or, mm-hmm. you know, they really amp it up in the plot of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a great storyteller like Jordan Peele is doing a really great job um, depicting these stories into, like, full full-fledged movies you know and it seems crazy when you think about it because he brings in like true problems that we as americans Mm -hmm. even face um day to day like of course the racism aspect and get out and then um oh yes for our listeners uh jordan peele has actually directed those movies uh get out and us yes get out and us yes um, and Candyman, upcoming. <laughs> yes, upcoming this year, right? Supposed to be. Oh, yeah, supposed to be. <laughs> um, supposed to be coming out with Candyman. But, of course, you know, Get Out was probably his most notable film yeah. since he started out as being a comedian, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like him um, transitioning into that phase, into coming into the horror horror genre instead of comedy, um, was such a great turnaround for him because he he is such a great storyteller and for him to tell um real life problems in such a story-like way it's so good you know like i don't even know how else to explain it it's just good i know what you mean though yeah like he he puts his artistic freedom in such a subtle way Mm -hmm. but it's so much more different compared to you know the cgi Mm -hmm. movies that you normally see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no definitely for sure yeah um you know for me i think one of the larger misconceptions uh being a horror fan uh and having you know a lot of friends who are generally not horror fans Mm -hmm. you know they again like what you said like you know it's usually people get put up by the jump scares or you know just kind of like they they see it as very black and white, like oh it's just a it's a horror film that doesn't have any depth. Yeah, to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that these horror films do actually have a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do, uh, when you are watching uh, particular horror films uh, that do have that quality content, um, and even if you know there are the few that maybe not and don't necessarily have it, but you know you you watch it for the storytelling, you watch it for the emotional aspect. You watch it for the why did this happen? Who is doing it? Yeah. Um, did they deserve it? Did they deserve <laughs> it? Why? You know, is there? Yeah. You know, is there enough emotional connection uh, to the movie? Like, there. Yeah. Like I and there's so many aspects that can be dissected and you know um, looked into. 
yeah. uh, you know, from such a social standpoint. You know, and I think that that usually gets swept under the rug a lot and that gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, I understand where gener- most general people's, um, con- you know, connotation of why they think horror movies are cheesy or not as important. Yeah. But there is such an important, like, inwards look of the human psyche. Oh, yes. It's you know? very raw. It is. It yeah. is. And I think when you actually start to pick it apart, you realize that you actually have a lot more in common with horror movies than you oh, would for think. Sure. You would think. Yeah. yeah. Because you want to relate to these characters, you know. Um, a lot of the horror movies, they do very well at putting you in the character's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, when, like now that you mentioned, it's very inward looking. Yeah. It helps you to relate to the characters so much that you start to pick up on what you're afraid of, what yeah. you don't like, or what scares you, you know? It's very raw, it, and it makes you um, relate to the movie on such a new level that, of course, the plot is scary, you know? Especially if it's like a horror, I mean, a slasher film, you know? Yeah. Um, of course, the plot is going to be scary, but it still touches up on the fact that these characters could be real, you know? very raw and I'm into that <laughs> we like it raw Ooh. <laughs> I'm scared <laughs> I am officially scared get out <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know and to, to close this off uh, Jasmine why do you think it's important why do you, why do you think the horror genre uh, should be important you know in society like why do you, you know because I think there are a large amount of people that probably don't see it that way mm-hmm. but why do you think it you know why do you think it's important to have that to, to have this this genre of fantasy and fiction and sometimes nonfiction, you know mm. um, in the world that we live in today well I feel like you know of course this is coming from a horror fan's perspective but I feel like um, the horror genre is such an important genre um, because like we said it does touch on the human psyche so much um, and it's so raw and the way that horror movies touches up on like real life scenarios you know it really helps you to figure out what to do or Mm -hmm. if if you were in that situation what you would do Mm -hmm. like to prevent it from happening or to keep yourself safe yeah you know and I feel like the more that we do touch up on these topics, the less we are afraid to actually venture out and you and know, confront them and confront them, you yeah. know. Um, and you know me, I'm non-confrontational, but I feel like if if I'm relating to this character so much to the point where I want to change the span of five minutes just by saying something that I want to say you know without being shy or whatever you know I feel like just the few moments that we have we can just change our whole life and I feel like you know like we touched up on with the opening scene that opening scene can alter the course of the movie or say so much about the movie but you know? I, I get it, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I really do think that... I'm not saying that everyone has to love horror. 
But, you know, um, I'm not saying that everyone has to love it. Mm-hmm. I just do think that I, I would like people to get, uh, I guess, to look, at, you know, to look at it as more than face value. Oh, yes. You know, mm-hmm. because, again, the horror genre does uh, teach everyone uh, so much about uh, what's happening in today's, today's society. It's so reflective mm-hmm. um you know it's such a mirror effect of you know what happens in today's uh you know unfortunate it's unfortunate because there is a lot of violence today that's happening yeah. in the world you know but uh you know kind of touching back to what you had said earlier it does teach you how to kind of think you you would think to yourself what would you do in this situation yeah you know you would either joke about it and you know think about it from like oh haha i would do this or no yeah. you would actually think about like what if this does happen because a lot of what makes horror scary is the fact that it could happen. There is, like, that slight... Like, I always, I'm a firm believer of there is no such thing as a crazy idea because if someone can think of it... It'll they, happen. And they can... You know what I mean? Like, someone can act upon it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the scary part about about horror. But, you know, with that said, there is such a... I, I think that there's such a beautiful thing to be able to expand a darker realm of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as long as it's handled, you know, creatively and, you know, properly mm-hmm. um, and artistically in a non-violent way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I... I just think that people need to be able to access that darker part of the mind so that way they can kind of get almost a full spectrum, you know, because people... Of who they are. Yeah, because I think you you can enjoy, you know, you can experience joy, you can experience happiness, you can experience sadness. If mm-hmm. you don't acknowledge fear yeah. and all of the spectrums that are surrounding that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you need fear to be able to access joy happiness and sadness you oh, know yeah. and all these things right mm-hmm. um and vice versa you know you need all those things to access fear because without all those great and wonderful things um if you don't fear losing them in any way shape or form or fear any form of them at all mm-hmm. you know they're what are you what are you feeling yeah you know and of course you know without fear you wouldn't know how to keep yourself safe exactly you know what if you're so happy that there's a killer right there yeah. and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know you don't know what to do mm-hmm. and then you never really know how much you care about something until you're about to lose it yeah and when you're put in a life or death situation you will see you know how you're gonna handle it and how much you care about mm-hmm. something so that's mm-hmm. that's literally survival at its best yeah yeah all right everyone so this basically concludes our i guess you would say it's a little bit of an introduction it's not really a little bit because you know this is pretty much an hour-long episode (laughs) um but you know you guys have now kind of gotten to know uh who we are as horror fans Mm -hmm. um and how we've come into the world and how we see horror Mm -hmm. um you know we hope that you as listeners uh can you know continue to follow us for the rest of the season because there are so much other realms for us to be able to uh, explore mm-hmm. you know and dissect and we have a lot of thoughts and feelings about uh, and opinions mm-hmm. about several aspects of horror so you know as the rest of the season uh, continues mm-hmm. um, we hope that you know you guys are able to kind of join us on that and we hope that it does make you fans of uh, the horror genre um, if you're not fans already um, but you know if this is something that's totally new to you you know we hope that you've op- we've opened your mind up a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. I hope um, you know coming from us horror fans i hope that you guys also have gained some insight on what the horror genre could be if you at least gave it a chance yeah. you know um 
and so of course you know i hope that you guys continue to support us and listen in and stay tuned for future episodes because there will be more content on this and other things as well that we have not even touched upon yet um and yeah uh just to give you guys a uh, preview of what future episodes will look like we are going you know it's not just horror movies that we are going to talk about we are going to talk about film television uh literature music uh we are also going to look into crime theories Mm -hmm. um everyday behaviors that you might not think are as common but are super common but could be scary for some of you like sleep paralysis yeah lucid dreaming urban legends yeah urban legends um from guam or around the world even so you know like this just goes to show that there is horror all around us Mm -hmm. you know but i think that if we look at it from a different point of view and we look at it for what it's bringing to us, maybe not from the face front value, mm-hmm. um, you know, horror is something that can be appreciated for everyone. Yes. And, you know, by everyone. So, yeah. I'm really glad we uh, did this episode. Uh, Me too. Right? This was such a good first episode, I feel. We've been talking... Okay, for those of you that don't really know us, um, literally me and Jasmine in the five, six years that we've been, you know, friends... We've ho- always talked about having a podcast, but we never really acted upon it. Yeah, we've always joked about being hosts with one another, about being on YouTube and stuff. And then we couldn't, like, put our foot down and actually make a podcast. And now that we're under quarantine, here we are. <laughs> sharing <laughs> here is, we are. Sharing is caring. Sharing is scaring. Scaring. Yes, <laughs> sharing is fun. scaring. <laughs> yeah, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed our very first episode yes of course stay tuned for more um and that's the spooky unicorn show yes uh before we go uh, please uh, go ahead and follow us on our uh social media accounts uh, we have both twitter and instagram uh please follow us at the the spooky unicorns uh that is t-h-e-s-p-o-o-k-y unicorns yes so please follow us on those uh those media accounts Mm -hmm. uh, for more updates and yeah we look forward to giving you guys more content in the future so with that said bye bye guys boo bitch (laughs) get out the way get out the way get out the way boo bitch get out the way